0: Says, let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, unselfishness, mercy, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance, every situation, by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which tra- uh, which reassures the heart, that peace, which, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ is yours. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable And of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continuously on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to come into your house, Father God, and to, to uh, worship together as a church family, Father God, to lift you high, Father God. I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. I thank you that you are here, that your presence is here, Father God, and that we get to connect with what you're doing in this morning's service, Father God. We thank you so much for your presence, for your power, for your mercy, and for your love, Father God. May it flow today, Father God, in the service and throughout the rest of our lives, Father. May we be a light. May we be your presence walking through this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: May we be a light, Lord. May we be a light, Lord. walking in this earth Lord may we be alive power but yet
2: empowered, God, by your glory and your, your beautiful, brilliant Holy Spirit. Father, find us dreaming, God of the kingdom and its righteousness and what it does on this earth and how it can move and great. And find us singing, God, your praises. God, that your song would always be in our lips and in our mouth, Lord God. Father, that we would always be declaring, God, with melody in our heart, how beautiful you are, how magnificent you are. And God, always find us, Lord God, lost in the midst of your grace. God, lost in the midst of the word, the empowerment, Father, the fullness that is your presence. God, that enables us, God, to be your children be righteous before you, to be holy like you, to be effective tools, God, in your hand. Declaring Jesus in this amazing season that we're in, a season that represents a love that was birthed into this earth to redeem it and to redeem us, God.
1: We are so grateful, God.
3: Like the dust
4: thankful you know he's told us how we can be in that state at all times to stay thankful to stay grateful it's a mindset and God in his word said to us whatever things are good whatever things are true whatever things are pure think on these things and the list goes on but it's all good it's all positive that we're to think on and when we're thinking on those things we're grateful we're thankful but I was really meditating on that. And then the thought comes, well, but what about when I've got a problem? What about when I need to really, don't we problem solve? How do we do that if we're just thinking on things that are good and pure? But think about it. If we have a need, what do we think on? But my God shall supply all my need according to riches. That's what's true. That's what we meant. If we're sick, he himself bore his stripes that I might be healed. We think on the word. If I don't know what to do, I know he's given me knowledge of witty inventions and I think on that and then God can bring those to me. So we think on what's true because what's, you know, there might be a fact we might have had a diagnosis and the diagnosis isn't good. But the truth is, Jesus Christ set us free from that. He, he took that beating so we can be healed, and we think on the truth. And when we're thinking on the truth, we're thankful. We're, we're thankful. We're grateful. And so at any time God sees us, we are being grateful to him. Any our neighbor sees us and they see that hope because we're not, we're not speaking the fact We're speaking the truth. We're speaking the truth, and God provides all of our needs, and God heals us, and God blesses us, and he gives us knowledge to handle those things. We don't know what to do, but he does, and so he will find us thankful in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord,
1: we are grateful.
2: And we never want to lose track of that. We never want to lose that,
5: of the Lord into taking an offering, but you guys can be seated. It's beautiful. I don't ever want to, you know, we could go forever, but pastor wants this done, so we're going to do her, <laughs> and the Lord does too. Um, boy, it's been a good week. You guys all had a good Thanksgiving, and all thankful and found something. You know, Jeannie's word is, when she was given that word, is, it's our choice, we, we choose to think those good thoughts. We choose to, to um, think on those things that are good and holy. And we could choose to think the other way, but where is that going to take us? It's not going to take us to faith, but God's word will take us to faith. Um, the Lord gave me a scripture for you guys last night while I was sleeping. He, I say this all the time, but he talks to me a lot in my sleep. But before we do that, and I think she's going to be mad at me, um, there is a scripture that says the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And what that means is that our testimony of what Jesus has done to up, done for us is the spirit of prophecy. And what that does is when somebody has something happen to them, you can pick up on that and that you can grab that. If they've done that, if God's done that for them, he can do that for you. And so I'm going to have my daughter come up, Morgan, And shes I asked her, and she said, no, but I'm going to make her do this. She, She has a testimony that is just a blessing. She called me quite a few times crying, saying, look what God's done, Mom. And so I want her to share that because it is her testimony. And what she is saying, what Jesus has done, grab a hold of this. Grab a hold of it because God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for us, he'll do for you. And also, what we steward, you know, an acorn is really little, and if we steward that acorn, it can grow into an oak tree, okay? And, um, but we have to see that there is an oak tree in that acorn, okay? You've got to see it before it ever happens or you won't plant the acorn, okay? so
6: Hi, everyone. Um, so here I am. Thank you. Oh, I'm okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I'm currently in my fifth and last year at, so student at SVSU, um, and the past two years I've been blessed enough to have a job as a resident assistant where I've gotten free housing and I've had a scholarship um, for the past four years, so that's been super nice. Um, but in my fifth year, I can't have that job to where I get free housing and free food, so that's really sad. Um, so I'm paying for rent, I, my scholarships have run out, um, so I was super worried about the year, about affording college. Um, and... So definitely just got into prayer about it. Got with Jeannie and Mark a couple of times. um, And have just seen blessings pour in. Um, It's been really cool. And so um, the first semester, just found the money. It worked out. Um, But this this next semester, I was kind of worried. Um, And all of a sudden, I had applied for like 16 scholarships. um, And I've done this every single year and never gotten any of them. And this year, I got... Um, a $1,000 scholarship right away, um, and so that was really cool. And I was like, woo, yay, okay, only like 3000 left to go, right? Um, and so then I um, got another scholarship for $1,200 like two weeks ago, and that was just super awesome. Um, and then one day I got a $500 refund check, and I was like, why would I get this? And then I looked at my um, like my financial aid, and I had another $1,000 scholarship coming in for the whole year that I didn't even apply for. Um, so, just really cool, um, really cool to see God do what He's doing. It's been great. Oh yeah. Um. Also, I'm a secondary education major, so I want to teach middle or high schoolers. I really want to teach middle school. Um. People think that's funny, but I think they're great and awkward and wonderful. Um. And so, um, I have been praying about my student teaching placement for the winter semester. Um. And I applied for Bay County and Saginaw County. And um, I got an email from my field placement supervisor, and he said, hi, Morgan, I know you applied for Bay County, but I have um, a position at Freeland Middle School, and, which is exactly where I want to be. Um, and it um, goes, so your student teach me, you'll student teach, and then starting April, you'll start long-term subbing till May or till June. And so I get paid for two months, and that doesn't happen for everybody, so. That's good.
5: her mom and dad didn't have to do all that, so that's really good. <laughs> well, the scripture I got for you today is in, um, it's in Proverbs, and it's Proverbs 3.5, and you guys know this, but I'm going to read a little farther down, cause this, and it's in the Passion Translation. It's, trust in the Lord completely, and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make, like he led Morgan. He's leading her. Sometimes it doesn't come right away, and when we think it will come, but it's, it's coming, okay? Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Glorify God with all your wealth honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then, I kind of like thens, when you've done all that, every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. That's a good then. So there's where the joy comes. There's where the fulfillment comes. And that comes in Christ. And that comes as we get to know him. That comes as we... We believe him and I trust. And as you guys give today and as you place your offering, you're going to come forward. Ushers, we're going to have them come forward. Place your offering in there and just say, I trust you, God. I trust you with this. I trust you that my money has a good spirit on it because it has the Holy Spirit on it, not the spirit of man in Jesus' name. And so, ushers, um, you can make your checks out to AGC. Please print your names on if you're giving cash on your envelopes to where our people can read them there's times where we get that and we just go huh we try to guess we try to do the best we can but um, you know we you know we, yeah I'm not going to say anything more (laughs) but anyhow um, we're going to pray and and if you want to come forward and this is the part that I get all tangled up on uh, Do I need to say anything else, ushers? We're all set. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you that we are awed by you. We thank you that every dimension of our life will overflow with blessings as we give and as we trust. And Father God, I thank you for these people as we enter into a season of Christmas, as we enter a season of holidays, that we always put you first. And, Father, that we remember that this is a season of giving because Jesus gave his life for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Not seated, you may be. Ministry team, awesome job this morning. It is so fun to be in the presence. And kids, you're not dismissed. We're going to have you stand right there all service. (laughs) The word word is, you're dismissed. All right. He goaded me into that one. Did you notice? (laughs) Well, Pastor, and Sharon are gone there, their annual thanksgiving um, uh, pilgrimage to Ohio. mind if I switch out here? Tim, can we trade? We had a we had a wedding here yesterday. Um, Eugenio Cruz and Chelly Garcia were wed in holy matrimony. Uh, how exciting! How awesome! They were supposed to be married in in uh, Puerto Rico, where they're from. Um, a hurricane got in the way. Can you imagine? I'd got out there and sp- if I was going to be getting married. I've been speaking to that storm. Be still. Oh, well. So they hesitated a few months and came up to Michigan and got married. How are you guys? Are you worshipers? Has God been good to you? Is God worthy of, of, your, of your expression of worship? Is he worthy of, of your praise? How much? How often? Yeah, he is. I have been on this amazing journey of Christianity now. And as as of January 1st, uh, it will be uh, 30 years. Oh, wrong, 40. hate to admit how old I am. Over 40 years was born again. And and God has never once disappointed me. He's never once been little. (laughs) He's never once left me in a a position of wanting. There have been times I've been without. Carrie and I lived on pancakes and couldn't afford syrup for a season in our life. But we were never lacking. There were times we had to stand in the gap all night and believe God for a miracle just to pay some bills. But yet, never in despair. And actually those times brought us closer to God's goodness. And you know never once do I ever remember thinking, God, what what why have you failed me? Why have you let me down? It was always God, God you're awesome. And I had I had almost a I'm almost I'm not embarrassed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it, but I, I recognize that not everybody had what I had growing up. I had a family that loved me, that treated me with respect, that showed me discipline, and I had a father that was unconditional in his love. So was my mother, and I was afforded. Godly childhood. And I was grateful, and I still am. We just celebrated Thanksgiving at our house when my parents came. And in their age, it gets very, very difficult for them. In fact, I was blessed to be able to drive them back home, which is a couple hour drive. Morgan followed, and we, her and I had a good time coming home together. But it just, my heart is expanded with thanksgiving and thankfulness for my father and my mother. And it has given me this perspective of a heavenly father that's wonderful. And I pray and believe for all of you who did not have that. Because I know that our Heavenly Father desires for you to know him intimately and to know a love and a compassion that's beyond, yeah, oh yeah, maybe a box. You can just set it down, thanks, honey. The uh, last month, Carrie and I had the opportunity to go again to um, Global Awakenings. Uh, This one was called, a, a seminar they have, this one was Voice of the Apostles. Stevie and I went with Global Awakening to Brazil. Had an amazing time and watched God do miraculous things. Just do miraculous things. And Carrie and I have gone twice. She's taken classes, prophetic classes, through Global Awakening. And as we were there, that we were worshiping, and, and the worship is uh, happened to be Bethel. Um, Stephanie Gretzinger was there singing, and I just enjoy her prophetic ministry and, and the worship, and it was it was sweet, and it was intense, and it was it was de- de- you know declarative, and 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 took us right into the throne room, like worship does. Sorry, Carrie, my glasses on my head. And as we were worshiping, and I've shared this to the congregation, but I'm going to share it again. As, as we were worshiping, <clears throat> my eyes see color the way they choose to see them. And a lot of times it's different how, than how you use them. In fact, all the time it's different than how you see them. As, as you enjoy red, I can too. As you enjoy blue, green, yellow, brown, whatever colors, I go, yep. There's the battleship gray for you. And I don't see him. I I don't see him. We were worshiping. And all of a sudden, I didn't even know what I was looking at. The whole stage became brilliant. Emerald green. Emerald green. Just Brilliant. Emerald green. And as my eyes beheld this color for the first time, I wept. I wept. It's not a very full basket. And I said, God, it's beautiful. Beautiful. What is it? I said to Carrie, what is that? And she said, it's green. Oh my gosh. Green is gorgeous. And I realized I was so into the presence of God <clears throat> that I was in the throne room of my God, even though I was in the middle of this auditorium, I was in the throne room of God. And I've taught on worship and I've taught on worship as a, a point of destination. But For the first time in my life, I was seeing it and not just experiencing it with my feelings or with, with my spirit. I began to observe it. Revelations talks about in chapter 4, in fact, we might as well turn there. I think I can see to read. Okay, God. Man, I had notes from last week that I didn't use, and now I have notes from this week I'm not going to use. After this, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. This is John. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. Wow. What an offer. Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in the Spirit. John says, at once, when the voice said, come up, he said, at once, I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven. With one seated on the throne, he who sat on the throne there had the appearance of Jasper, Carnelian. And around the throne, listen to this, was a rainbow and had the appearance of an emerald. As I stood there in that auditorium beholding this amazing color, presence of God was thick and it was rich and God loved on me again. And there was there was an impartation that that was happening that God desires for each of you to have as well. And an, an impartation of his spirit to boldly go into his presence and to boldly be changed from glory to glory. And it happens in our worship. Last week we talked about worship and we talked about how worship was a lifestyle and recognized that that doesn't change, but yet there's something within music that God has given us that allows us an intimacy and a passion unlike any other form of worship there is. And God desires us as a congregation and as a people to come into his presence and to be transformed and be changed. Not to what you want, but what he's called you to be from the foundations of the world. Like him. Not great in who you are, Sadly, Solomon fell into that trap. He was the third guy last week I was going to minister on, but I didn't have time. And Solomon fell into that trap, though he was raised in a great family, and he had he had a pious mother and father, especially father, and he had religious leaders, uh, a religious upbringing, and 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 training. And he had experiences like uh, when when they dedicated the temple and the presence of God showed up so thick that they couldn't stand in his presence. In the Psalm 24, he writes, Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Be lifted up, you gates. Talking about us, that the king of glory might come in. And the Song of Solomon that, that, that is so beautifully written in the, in the innocence of his youth and, and, and his, in his young, uh, young part of his life, but then he writes, Ecclesiastes is, is uh, vanity has set in. And you can see the difference as he's pulled away from the things of God, especially the worship of God, and changed his style of living to that which pleases and exalts himself. I'm going to do it my way. And I want to make sure that all the nations around me do it and see that it's, it's me, how great I am. And he lost, he lost this amazing opportunity, and his, and his vanity eventually split a kingdom. David built a kingdom on on being a man after God's own heart and being in the presence of God and having this intimate lifestyle of worship with God. He built a kingdom and established a wealth unmatched. But Solomon then took and he squandered that. And he lived an extravagant lifestyle that even became beyond his means. And he, he put the Canaanites into slavery and, and he broke up families. And you're going to work in the cedar uh, in, the, in the woods and you're going to work in the mines and you're going to work here and you're going to work there. And, and he did evil in the sight of God. And under Roeboam, his son, the, the kingdom split. And it probably would have split under Solomon if, if God had not promised David something different. And if you back up if with me into the book of Hebrews, look at chapter 12. <clears throat> Way back in the book of Exodus, don't, don't turn there, I'm just going to tell you quick, God's desire was to take people, the Israel out of Egypt, into the wilderness and lead them up into a mountain to worship and, and to allow them to experience again the the presence of God, and, the, and based on the covenant they had with Abraham. And God was, had told Moses to prepare the people and, and, and come up to the mountain after three days. And the presence of God began to come and settle in on the mountain. And there was thunders, and there was lightning, and there was cloud, and, and the people got scared. And the people refused to go up. Moses, you go up and you, just, you, you tell us what God says and we'll do it. And the people chose rules rather than relationship. And therefore, the law was established. And the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit brings life. And that's been God's intention with, with his church from the beginning, to be in the Spirit, to be in his presence and And uh, Hebrews chapter twelve starts with that uh, you know that they were to come up to the mountain and and, and yet there was fear in the, in what was going on, but chapter twelve verse twenty two says this: instead, you haven't come to the mountain that's on fire where there's thunder and lightning. He said, instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, not just any Jerusalem." the heavenly Jerusalem, to tens of thousands of angels. Some of your Bible says myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. That, that multiplies out to 100 trillion angels. Joyfully gathered together to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to a judge who was God of all, to the spirits of righteous people who have been made perfect. Oh, that's dead people, by the way. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better message than Abel's. And Hebrews, the Hebrew writer, I believe it was Paul. There's a debate. Who cares? It's in the Bible. We go with it. We believe it. Hebrews says that through Christ's sacrifice, he says, enter the most holy place, but where is it? It's not an earthly Mount Zion. It's a heavenly place. It's a heavenly Jerusalem, and it's full of joyful angels. The church of the firstborn Christ, who's that? The entire church together. The Old Testament and the New Testament church the church past, the church present, and the church that is to come. We have a few people who are pregnant in our ministry. They're there, the pregnant, uh, excuse me, the babies are there too. They haven't even been born yet, but yet here we find them. Of the spirits of righteous men made perfect, dead people who are in Christ, who God has resurrected. They're there. And we come to God, the judge of all. Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And he says, he concludes it with a better message than Abel's. Abel's blood speaks, according to Scripture. Abel's blood speaks justice. Isn't that awesome? Except justice says that the wage of sin is death. And that's what we deserve as sinners. But there's a new blood. There's a new blood built on better promises that speaks. Abel's blood speaks justice, but the blood of Jesus Christ speaks forgiveness. And that's the covenant that we're in. When there's a change in the covenant, there's a change in the priesthood. I shared this last week. We are no longer in the Levitical priesthood. We are in the priesthood in the order of Melchizedek or that of Christ. And Judah is now our scepter. Judah means praise. God has put us in a position where our praise is the lawgiver. God establishes his truth on praise, on worship. He establishes righteousness through our worship. Because through our worship, we're transformed. Through our worship, we come into this new place, this heavenly place, this new Jerusalem. and We're transformed. Ephesians 2 4 through 8, God says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved through faith, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in a heavenly realm. What's our perspective? The perspective, according to the word of God, according to God himself, is that we're seated with him. We're seated with him. That is the mindset that we need to walk through life with, that we are with him. And where is he? He's in heaven. And where are we? With him. Chuck, I don't get it. Hebrews 11, if you back up just a little bit in verse 6, it says, Now without faith it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently search for him. What's the reward of searching for him? Him. Him. Without faith it's impossible to please him. Why? Because he wants to be found. He's hiding in the open. He's hiding in plain sight. God wants you. He's like the friend that you're going to meet at a restaurant, and you're five minutes late, and you walk in, and you look around because you know the friend's there. Which table is the friend at? Oh, oh, he's the one waving at me over here. You've all done that. Come on. You were late. Some of you were late this morning. I was the guy waving at you as you came in. I'm over here. Whoops. Whoops. That's Jesus. He's the friend. He's already present. He's already waiting for you. He's the guy waving. I'm over here. I'm hiding in plain sight. Come on. Join me. Spend some time with me. But we have to have faith. God God desires us to use faith. How are you saved? By faith. How are you healed? By faith. How are you prosperous? By faith. So doesn't it seem... Just right that we worship by faith. Did we just sing songs to God? I never saw him, did you? With my eyes. Was he here? Is he here? How do we know that? By faith, based on his promises. Isn't that true? Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What does that mean? I can be in his presence, seated with him in heavenly places by faith. I can worship in his throne room by faith all the time. How many of you have got to the gates of heaven and found a sign that says you are not welcome No, you haven't. As believers, God says this, come boldly to my throne. There's mercy there, and there's grace to help. Some of us, it's mercy and the grace to believe that we're in his presence are there to help. John chapter 4, there was a woman that was at the well, and Jesus came, uh, or he was sitting at the well, excuse me, and it was noon, he was tired, The disciples had gone into the the city to uh, get some food, and this woman comes, and she's going to draw water from the well that Jacob had left Israel. And so she's at this well to to get water, and Jesus says, give me a drink, if you would, please. I'm really thirsty. And uh, the conversation gets into um, if... uh, if you would have asked me, I'd have given you something to drink. I'd have given you living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? The Conversation gets into uh, um, living water and, and, and gets into, get your. he says, call your husband. She says, I don't have one. And he says, you've spoken right. You've had five. The guy you're with isn't even your husband. And she says, boy, are you, you're a prophet, aren't you? And she changes the subject immediately. She said, she goes, our fathers, in verse 20, John chapter 4, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews say that the place where people should worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You don't know what you're worshiping you don't have an intimate knowledge of of who you're to worship. But we know who we're worshiping. Because the promise was through the Jews. He said, but we know that we're worshiping, for salvation comes from the Jews. Yet the hour is coming, and listen to this next phrase, and is now here. Jesus said it like she was thinking that there's coming a day. And then Jesus said, But the day is now. The day is upon us. It's right here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Indeed, the Father is looking for a people like that to worship him. Like what? That worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So they're sitting at the well. They're talking about water. She, Jesus reveals to her her situation, her living condition. She says, you must be a prophet. And then she asks a question. Where do we worship? Our ancestors worship on the mountain. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. You worship in Jerusalem. She's basically saying, where should we worship? and Jesus's answer to the question of where was in spirit and truth. Does Jesus does Jesus just throw out anything for the sake of throwing out words? Jesus he was not a babbler. Everything he said was truth and it was life and it was the word of God. So Jesus answers this question of where with this phrase in spirit and in truth. If you look at that up the little word in, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, excuse me. I will use my notes for this. Maybe. There it is. It comes, It's if you look it up in the Strong's Dictionary, it's N, E-N. It's G1722, in case anybody wants to look it up. It's a primary position uh, denoting a fixed position position, in place, or time, or in a state. It also means to give yourself holy to. So here he says, you're going to worship in, in a fixed position, in time, and in a state, and in a place, and you're going to give yourself holy to spirit, and you're going to give yourself holy to truth. In spirit and truth, the construction of the form of the Greek language indicates a location of a location. When he says worship in spirit and truth, Jesus is talking about a place. He's talking about when he says truth himself. John fourteen said, Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." Now, if we're to worship in spirit, which is a location, which is heaven, we need to worship in truth because who? How do we get to the Father through the truth, Jesus? He's the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through Christ. And so if we're to worship in the presence of the Father, Christ has to be involved with that. So religions that throw away Christ have no access to the Father. Not my words, his words. Your relationship with Christ is paramount cannot be replaced with anything else. You need to recognize that Jesus loves you so much that he gave everything he had for you. The Bible talks about how heaven was bankrupt, bankrupted by giving, by Jesus, giving Jesus. God was willing to do that for you out of his love for you and Christ His love for you was so great that he was willing to die and be a sacrifice for you. You know, even in our worst condition, Jesus was not embarrassed of us. He loved you. He loved. He loves us. He's not embarrassed of me, even though I cry. I'm not embarrassed of him. I am not embarrassed. I can, I can talk Jesus with anybody, anywhere, anytime. He's awesome. He has been magnificent to me my whole life, even when I didn't realize he was being magnificent. And here he's saying to us that, you know what? I have brought you a portal of access to the throne room. And here's the cool thing. The throne room is leaving heaven, and it's accessing us through that portal here on this earth. Because did any of you leave your standing in front of your green chair that you're sitting in now as we worshiped? A few of you might have come to the altar. But yet, here you were standing and sitting right where you're at, but yet you were in the throne room of heaven. Why? Because heaven invaded your space. And God insisted on it. Whew. Listen to that worship. Listen to that praise. I will be enthroned upon it. <sighs> Aren't you glad? In Revelation chapter 1, John said this. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. So where was he? In spirit. Where's that? In heaven, Right? Location, in spirit, it's heaven. In truth, it's in Christ. So he's in the spirit. He's in the presence of God on the Lord's day. And listen to this. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book. All right? So we'll skip down a little bit. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. I saw seven gold lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstand, one like the son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and the voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like... Uh, like the sun shining in full strength, when I saw him, I fell at his feet. But he laid his hand on me and said, "Fear not, I am the first, and I am the last. John was beholding in heaven Jesus, our Savior, Jesus. The Christ, our Lord. And he describes him just as we read. Just absolutely phenomenal. And then, and this was, realize this is the first book that John wrote the book of Revelation. Later he pens the, the epistles of John's, books one, two, and three. And in first John chapter four, verse seventeen, he says, As Jesus is, as he is Christ, so are we in this world. John has already had this vision of Christ, as we just read in Revelation, and then he goes around, he comes back, and he says, just as he is, so are you. Now, in this world. Ooh. There is a reality in heaven that comes from heaven to earth and transforms and changes us. It changes our worship. It changes our surroundings. It changes us. You may not be standing here with white hair, and you may not have a flaming two-edged sword coming out of your mouth that we can see with our eyes. But in the spirit, you do. In the spirit, you are. In the spirit, you can. Philippians four thirteen. We just read it. What can you do through Christ who gives you strength? All things that pertain to life and godliness. All things based on the promises of the Word of God. All things that will glorify and honor the living God. All things. But John was in spirit. He was in heaven. He was in the presence of God. Isaiah 6, turn with me to this one. You need to read this. <clears throat> in Chapter 6, starting with verse 1 of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is just getting started into a ministry that will, that will transform the world a ministry that will make declaration that allows Jesus to be manifest with the purpose of establishing righteousness on the earth. Huh? Isaiah, along with some of the other prophets, were commissioned and obedient to God to speak forth Christ. Christ. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said this, and God said that, and there was. And then God gave earth to man, so man had to decree that there will be a Christ who will come to the earth, who will be set up as holy and righteous without sin and die a horrible death to sacrifice his life in exchange for yours. Man had to declare it. Man had to speak it forth just as God spoke. That's why God says that, look at the power of life and death is in the tongue. What are you speaking? What are you declaring? As he is, so are we. How was he? He was a declarer. He was a speaker. So need you need to be. And what are you speaking forth? That which is promised, that which he, he said, I only speak what the Father says. Holy Spirit, he said, man, I'm just speaking what Jesus said. You better do the same. I've got to do the same. They're words of life. The disciples, when Jesus had made a declaration about his body and blood, they, he shrunk the church. Just the disciples were left. And he said, aren't you guys going to go too? And he said, where Peter said, where can we go? You have the words of life. Only you. I'm going to stick with life. So here was Isaiah early in his ministry in the year that King Uzziah died. You know, there's a truth in that. Some things, times, things need to die in your life so that you will get about the things of God. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Move ahead a little bit. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Freshly clean. Here I am. Having been touched by the coals, God, that have come from your altar. Here I am, God. I'll make declaration. Send me. And Isaiah was commissioned. And read the rest of his book. See the power with which he walked and the the accuracy in which he spoke, even in an old covenant. But where was he? He was in the midst of worship. And where did he find himself in the midst of worship? Heaven, the throne room. Worship had taken him into the throne room. He was in the spirit. And again, in Revelation chapter five, we see the church singing a new song. We see the church in worship. Worthy is the Lamb. Verse 13 in Revelation 5, every creature, including us, everywhere, singing together. Boldly asking for the Lamb to be glorified on the earth as it is in heaven. Boldly making declaration. And what does God do? As you read through the scriptures, you're going to find, and I, I shared this last week, I'll share it again. Here in Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5, we see the church together in heaven worshiping. We see the glass sea, that's that's the multitudes of people. We see see people from time past, time present, and time future all worshiping God. How can that happen, Chuck? Because time is in God. God is not in time. God is in all places in time at once because time is found within him, not outside of him. If the top of this pulpit represented time from the alpha, the beginning, to the omega, the end, and God was the sanctuary room. The timeline is found in God, and God is all around it. And so it doesn't matter where you're at on that timeline, you will find God present at that time right now. As God is talking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, he is seeing Jesus Christ being crucified and seeing him resurrected, and he's with us at the same moment that it's happening because time is irrelevant to God because it's in him. We need to begin to think outside of our human box and begin to see things in the eyes of God and with the mind of Christ we need to quit thinking so small and begin to see the potential that we have with our God living, dwelling in us and our worship taking us into his presence and transforming us. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we like to say, does that mean, is there sin in heaven? No. So that means shouldn't be sin on earth. Is there healing or sickness in heaven? No. So if it's his will on earth as it is in heaven, there shouldn't be sickness here. Is there lack? No. So it shouldn't be here. Is there worship? Where is it located? In the throne room, right? In his presence. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As there's worship in the throne room in heaven, so it needs to happen on the earth. Where? In the throne room. Because that's where it's being done in heaven. That's how it's done in heaven. So how do we do that? By faith. By faith. You're not going to leave this room when you do it necessarily. Maybe you will. Maybe you'll be physically transported there. Cool. I want to go. But we're going to do it by faith. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And as you turn us to chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read you some just one verse out of Psalm 115. Those that made them become like them. David is giving this whole list of, of of idol worship. And people who who sculpt idols of bronze and or whatever and craft them so so wonderfully and then worship them. They're dead. They have hands, but they can't they don't work. They have feet, but they can't walk. They have mouths, but they don't speak. And it goes on of all these different things that are crafted into these idols that they worship. And then David declares that those that worship them become like them. You realize you do become like that which you worship. So our worship needs to not be in vain to an idol, to money, to stuff, to other humans. I don't want to be like some rock and roll person. I don't want to be like a movie star. I don't want to be like even my dad. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. And here's the neat thing. He wants us to be like him. So he has given us all the tools necessary to become like him. Psalm uh, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says... Now the Lord is spirit. This is 17 18. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there's liberty. For what purpose? But we all with open face, our faces aren't hidden. They're not behind a veil like Moses when he came down on the mountain. Our faces are open, beholding in a glass or mirror the glory of the Lord. So we, with nothing, nothing's in the way of what we're gazing on are beholding the glory of God what is the glory of God it's his fullness it's all that he is when moses said lord show me your glory he says okay i'll he says i'll make my um i'll show you my goodness that's his character that's his nature think about the fruit of the spirit love joy peace gentleness goodness faithfulness meekness self-control i think i missed one Goodness is part of the nature of God. God says, okay, Moses, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you what makes me up. First, and we in the New Testament realize it starts and everything is birthed out of love, but his goodness. He said, I'll make my name known to you. What does that say? Covenant and provision. I am that I am. What does that mean? I am your provider. I am your healer. I am your fill in the blank. I'm going to be that for you. I'm going to show you my nature. I'm going to show you my covenant. I'm going to have mercy on who I have mercy and compassion on whom I will have compassion. The church likes to say that God picks and chooses who he has mercy and compassion on, but God was saying, no, you don't get to pick and choose who I have compassion and mercy on. I'll do it to whom I choose. God has chosen the world. God so loved the world and everybody in it that he gave his son. God's choice was you and everybody that you know, whether they have received him yet or not, that's his choice. And that's part of the glory of God that was revealed to Moses. And so therefore it's revealed to us so that we behold his glory. Part of that, we are beholding his love that he has for everybody to be merciful and compassionate to them. Have you fallen short in mercy and compassion to somebody here this year? Oh, my goodness. Of course you have. We all have. So guess what that means? We're just continuing in this transformation process. The good thing is God hasn't condemned us for that nor said there's no hope for you. He says, beholding the glory of the Lord, you're changed into the same image. Whose image are we beholding? The Lord's. We're being changed into that image. Listen to this. From glory to glory. I mean, we are stepping up on a ladder. We're climbing higher on the glory or the the character and the nature, the image of God ladder. We're getting better. We're getting higher. We're getting more like him every day. Changing us from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit, of the Lord. It happens as we come into the presence of God, in the throne room of God, and there is transformation. And as He is, so are we in this world. And it all comes from your time of worship, from your time of intimacy with Him, from your drawing into His presence. I don't care if you're driving a FedEx truck. <laughs> Or you're working with electricity. Or whatever it is that you do. You're seeking God. And God says, if you seek me, you will find me. We're knocking. And He said, knock and it will be opened. We're asking, God, make me more like you. You can receive that. Because ask and you'll receive. Church, I am just letting you know that as we worship on a Sunday, a Thursday, together as the corporate body of Christ, there is this, there is this multiplication factor of presence and worship. I mean, we get all the presence of God, but I get God's all his presence is with me. And all his presence is with Gerald, and all his presence is with. Floyd and all of his presence is with Eric, and so on and so on. There's a multiplication factor that comes when the church gathers together in worship. In fact, he says in the book of Hebrews, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, is the habit of some. Don't get in the habit of not coming. Because there's something that you're going to find in the corporate worship that you don't find in the fullness or the the completeness that you're going to find on your own. Please go into your prayer closet. Please enter into his presence and worship at home. But come into the presence of God corporately. Do not exchange this gathering, the presence of God, for a morning to sleep in so I don't miss the first play of the football game. <clears throat> the only thing you'll miss is the, whoever the Lions are playing their touchdown. You're just going to miss that one. <laughs> don't forsake it for I'm just going to sit on the back porch with a cup of coffee or I'm going to enjoy God's presence in the woods. You need to do that. But there is something about corporate worship coming together that multiplies the impartation of the presence of God into you. Because I have things in my life that you need that you don't have. And unless you're with me, I can't impart it. And you have things in your life that I need. And unless you're with me, you can't impart it to me. So pastor's missing out this morning. (laughs) Although he's down, he's in Ohio at church. If he's not watching it now, he'll, he'll listen to it later. God has a great, awesome plan for your life. And worship is part of the processing in which God takes you into that fullness. Because it's in this time of intimacy that God transforms and changes you, gives you the tools, uh, sharpens the tools that you need to be effective in all that you do. When we worship, we don't just stay here in this room. We enter into a throne room where there's mercy. There's grace to help because we've entered in to his presence. Amen? Worship. It's a location in spirit, and it's in Christ, in truth. Pray with me, would you? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, pray in spirit. Yes, I will, Lord. As you continue in this praying, I mean mean prayerful, um, I have a word for somebody here. I had, a, I had the same word last week. It, it didn't leave. I want you to hear this word um, because it is for somebody here. Samuel was the judge of Israel, and he had two sons that he raised up to continue judging Israel, and they failed. And the people rejected him because they weren't men of God. Yet they were raised by Samuel. Samuel's question to God is, God, why did I fail? And God told him, Fill your horn with oil and anoint the people a king because they're calling for it. So he pours out over Saul what's in the horn and anoints him king. And Saul fails and rejects God. And the Bible tells us that that Saul, or excuse me, Samuel is lamenting and crying and weeping over another opportunity that he was given to raise up a leader, but yet that leader failed. And he's crying, and God said, Samuel, get up. Get up! Fill your flask with oil again. Fill your horn with oil again. I got somebody else for you to anoint. But I failed God three times. God said, that's not your concern. Fill the flask. Fill the flask. Fill the flask. And he's saying, because the next one you anoint... Is a David? You don't know who you're working with, who you're mentoring, who you're believing for. The one you are working with now, despite the fact that you've had failures in the past, and this is for somebody, maybe more than one, you have not had success, or not had the success you thought. And God said, your next one's a David. Saul failed. Thank God for David. And the the word of God out of God's own mouth for David was he's a man after my own heart. And God established his legacy as a worshiper. And God says, guess what, David, you don't get to build the temple because I don't want that to be your legacy. I don't want you to be the guy that built the house, that built the room, that put the curtain up, that put the box in the room, that put me in a box. Your legacy is that I was free in your presence and you were free in my presence to worship. That's your legacy. Somebody has thrown their hands up and said, I'm tired, God. And God is saying, but I got somebody else coming for you. And you need to fill your horn with oil and anoint them and disciple them and prepare them for the kingdom. Father, we pray for those people who that assignment, that word is is pricking their heart right now. God, cause them to be bold. Cause them to be brave. Cause them to be sure. Cause them to be committed to the anointing process, God and the and, and the discipling process. And then God, let their disciple rise up, prepared with the things of God that are put into them to do great things for the kingdom. But God, embolden these people who need to be anointing their Davids. If that's you... I don't want you to raise your hand or anything. But I want you before God right now to make the commitment that I'll I'll do that. God, I'll do that. Thank you, Jesus. there are orphans who have no father. There are orphans who have no mother. And I'm searching for those who will say I'll take them. I'm searching for those who say I'll love them. I'll raise them. I'll provide for them. I'll give into them as if they're my own. I will give them my name and I will give them my love and I will give it to them unconditional. I'm searching for those. And I'm so blessed that I found them in this house. I'm so blessed that I found them in this congregation. But there are still more that need to be loved. There are still more that need to be nourished. There are still more that need to be nurtured. There's still more that need to be taught. And if you ask me to open your eyes to see who those are, I'll do it for you. Because I know that you will then do it for me. Not for your attention. But because of my love. So ask me, and I'll open your eyes. Ask me, and I'll show you who. Ask me, and I'll provide opportunity. Ask me, and I'll provide provision. Ask me, and I'll provide wisdom. Ask me, and I'll give you strength. Ask me, and I'll do for you everything that needs to be done for their sake. And I will bless you beyond what you can ask or think. But because you've done it for the right reason. You can be trusted with all that I pour into you. Oh Lord, open our eyes and let us see. I'm gonna call out a few things that God wants to heal, and then we're gonna open the altar for everybody. But first let me let me take care of of the business that God has. Um, uh, there, There is somebody here that's dealing with canker sores. If you're dealing with canker sores, come up. we want going to lay hands on you and pray for you. You've been uh, um, getting more than what you should get. I mean, we all get a canker sore from time to time. It used to be a little more chronic. Lord, tell me that. Um, there's also... Um, don't don't be shy and don't be embarrassed. Please come on up so we can lay hands on you and we can believe God for you. Um, these are things that the Lord's speaking to my heart, and I'm just going to speak them out. Um, there there are some of you that are, are dealing with um, an issue, especially in the right leg. You're, you're you're struggling with with pain in your right leg. If that's you, come up. If it's if you got pain in either leg, come on up. But there's some of you, somebody here with it's a right leg.